We had a shayla in my shul last week. The, uh, as many shuls do, we had a shalach manos that was put together by the, uh, by the shul. People paid whatever it was, $75, and they got a very nice package, and that way they were exempted from giving shalach manos, socially exempted from giving shalach manos to all the other people in the shul. I, I immediately got phone calls as soon as people started picking up the shalach manos that the wine that was in the shalach manos said on the label, Otzer Bezdin Shmita wine. What does that mean? What do you have to do with this? I don't know if any of you ever noticed this. This was wine picked up on Rockaway Turnpike. It was not, uh, this was not picked up at some fancy store somewhere. Uh, it's possible that wine that you might have, it's important to check labels, I guess, is Otzer Bezdin Shmita wine. So I just want to describe for 10 minutes what that means to us and, uh, and what the halachic issues of that are. This was not one of the questions submitted, but I thought it was an interesting one anyway. The uh, halacha is that you are permitted to eat peros that grew during Shemitah year. It's absolutely mutter to eat peros of Shemitah. It is usher to do business with peros of Shemitah. You're not allowed to sell them, uh, sell fruits of Shemitah. The Tosefta Masecha Shviyas speaks about a concept called Otzer Bezdin. Now the concept of Otzer Bezdin is as follows. Really the halacha of Shemitah is that if I have a field and there are things growing in my field during Shemitah year, I have to be mafkarit. I have to leave it open for other people to be able to walk in, take whatever they want from the field. That's the halacha by Shemitah. Now, if I have a field somewhere in some corner of Eretz Yisrael where there aren't too many people that are going to be around, I'm producing a tremendous, not producing, the, the ground is producing a tremendous amount of produce during the course of the year, but who's going to find my field in the middle of, in the middle of nowhere and uh, come and take stuff from the field? So the Beisdin, according to the Mishnah, to the Tosefta and Shviyas, the Beisdin came up with the following concept, that Beisdin will take control of the Hefker produce to more evenly and equitably distribute it in a way that will become accessible to people. Otzer Beisdin means Beisdin goes into your field, takes over all your stuff, puts it in a big warehouse in a central location, and then anyone who wants to come to take the Hefker from there can take it from there. But there's going to be some expenses for Bazin to do that because Bazin's going to have to pay people to transport all the produce and to gather it all together. And when Bazin's doing that, they're keeping everyone else out of the field because they're saying, yes, it's Hefker, but we're in control of the Hefker. It's Hefker under our control, and you have to wait until we're ready to open it up for people to take. That's the concept of Otzer Bezin, that, that the Bezdin distributes it. Now, is Otzer Bezin a good idea? Is it a bad idea? Tosefta mentions it. Um, the problem, of course, is that how are you going to pay people? The halacha is you're not allowed to uh, work the field. You're not allowed to do any schorah with perushviyas. So how are you going to pay somebody? So the way it works is that you're not paying for the produce, you're paying for the work involved in distributing the produce, etc. That's what you're really paying for when it comes to the Otzer Basin. Now, there are two issues. Number one, the Rambam doesn't mention the concept of Otzer Basin. So some people say, well, if the Rambam doesn't mention it, then it must be rejected by Halacha. The other problem is, is that some people say that, what do you mean, I'm going to pay somebody for a bottle of wine that came from a vineyard that grew grapes during Shemitah, and I'm not really paying for the wine. I'm only paying for the bottle and for the transportation of the wine and for the gathering, and, but I'm not really paying for the wine. Come on, that's, that's, that's lending itself to dishonesty. I mean, so what? It, the wine should have cost $10, but I'm going to say, no, I'm not paying for the wine. I'm only paying for the bottle, bottling and distribution, so I'm going to pay $6. So you know what they're going to tell me? Oh no, the bottling and distribution was very expensive this year. It cost four more dollars. So, you know, it's just for the bottling and distribution, but give me ten dollars. 
It's such a, it just opens itself, lends itself to Harama. Those are the two major tainas with the Yotzer Bezin. Nevertheless, many Gedolei Aposkim were big fans of the Yotzer Bezin. The first modern-day Yotzer Bezin in 1910 was instituted by Rav Chaim Berlin, Rav Yosef Chaim Zonenfeld, and Rav C. Pesach Frank. Big leaguers, if there ever were any. So we're talking about, you know, this is something that's been widely accepted. I, what do you do with the, the Chazanish held the Volzer Basin, Rav Kook held the Volzer Basin. It was pretty widely accepted. So what do you do with the objections? So, first of all, in terms of the Rabbim not mentioning it, so the Rabbim doesn't mention it. Doesn't mean he rejects it. No Rishon that we know of explicitly says, we've heard of Volzer Basin and we don't like it. It's just that it's not mentioned by the Rambam. It is mentioned approvingly by the Ramban ala Torah in Parshas Bahar. So good. So it could be that that's not a rejection at all. What about the Harama? So in terms of paying, Tosefta said that the Beisdin paid the bill, and it could be that, in, in, I'm sorry, Tosefta never said that the Beisdin paid the bill. could be the consumer paid, and uh, we don't have any raya that, uh, that, that's not, that the Tosefta had a problem with that. We assume that people will be honest about it, and they're not going to pay for the produce itself. They're only going to pay for the bottling and distribution. There were some postkim who said that, no, the Tosefta really meant that the Beisdin only pays it from the extra machsa shekel, but the consumer can't really pay for it. But we don't have any raya that that's true, and therefore it's been widely accepted that the consumer, you go into a store to buy Ulster Beisdin wine, you're not buying wine, you're buying the, you're paying, you're reimbursing them for the bottling and distribution costs, and you're memela getting the wine, and you're taking the wine from Hefker. That's what happens when you buy Otsur Basin wine. That's the way the deal works. Now, when Basin takes over your field, who's going to be in charge of working the field? Basin has to hire an employee of Basin, a salaried employee, to take care of the field. So who's Basin going to hire to take care of your vineyard? So Basin figures, well, let's see. Who's most capable of taking care of this vineyard? And who's out of a job this year anyway because he's not allowed to do Avodah Sakarka during Shemitah? The owner of the vineyard. So Bezin hires the owner of the vineyard as a salaried employee to work in the vineyard, as an employee of Bezin, not as the owner of his own vineyard, to gather together all the grapes, produce the wine, and Bezin will distribute that Hefker wine. In this way, he'll be a salaried employee for the work that he does. Now, there are, very, there are significant restrictions on the work that he's allowed to do. The Gemara Navodazar and Daphne Nunbeis says that trees are allowed to be maintained during Shemitah. They're not allowed to be improved during Shemitah. So he's only allowed to do so much. Bezin gives him specific instructions, and hopefully there's some oversight. They, they, uh, they have mashkiach there, making sure that he's keeping his end of the bargain. Now, the original Otsar Bezin saw to it that the fruits weren't even weighed or measured because then you're really paying for the fruits. But the Chazanish was mekel. The Chazanish said you could weigh and measure it because Bezin has to figure out the most equitable distribution of the hefker. How are they going to figure out an equitable distribution if they don't weigh and measure the fruits? So that became pretty standard that we do weigh and measure. But this became an issue when it came to Esrogim. If you recall, we had Esrogim from, those who were in America, we had Esrogim from Eretz Yisrael that were brought to America. And the real maker adin, you shouldn't pay for the fruit. You're paying for the shipping of the fruit, maybe. You're paying for whatever it costs to get people to gather it together. But you can't pay for the fruit itself. Why can't you pay for the fruit itself? Because it's Shemitah fruit. You know, the Shkarb, the Shavis. And that's why there were closed box sales. You just, you, you didn't know what you were getting because you weren't supposed to know what you were getting. You shouldn't have been paying the, the money for the, for the actual fruit itself. Now, there's a discussion of whether, you know, there there are a lot that weren't closed back sales, discussion of why that's permissible. But we'll leave the Esrog discussion 
for the next cycle. But the wine discussion is still is still prevalent because apparently it's still uh, it's still being sold in Rockaway Turnpike. So what do you do with fruits that have kedusha shviyus? So the, the halacha is as follows: the fruit is hefker, and therefore it's not chayven shumas and maisos because it's hefker. So unlike uh, the peppers you're going to buy in Costco that come from Israel, that you do have to worry about Trumas and Maestros about, by the way, that they do sell in Costco all the time, Israeli peppers, so you do have to worry about Trumas and Maestros and things like that. You do not have to worry about Trumas and Maestros and oats are based in wine, because it's Hefker. Hefker is Nachayv in Trumas and Maestros. And because it's Perishmita, it's Hefker. Also, the fruits can't be used for any sort of business. So if you own a kosher wine store and you want to sell oats or and wine, you can't make money on the wine other than the stocking cost. Whatever it costs you to stock the wine, you can't make actual your normal markup on the wine. That's if you own a, uh, a wine store. So th- that's not so relevant for us. Third halacha that's extremely relevant for us is that the wine can't be wasted in any way. The halachas peros shmita have to be used for their ideal usage. And what's the ideal usage of wine? Is to drink it. Are you allowed to spill over wine by your Abdullah for simon bracha and put out the fire? Not with perushmita, because that's not the ideal usage. It might be a nice simon bracha throughout the rest of the year and throughout whenever you want to use a regular wine, but you're going to use otzer based and shmita wine. You're not allowed to just spill it over and use it to put out your candle. Not only that, let's say you drink half a cup of wine, you have a half a cup left. So what do you do with that half a cup? So normally you'd wash out the cup, spill it down the drain. You cannot do that with shmita wine. You have to be very careful that that's not allowed to be done with uh, with the Otsur and Shemitah wine. It has Kedusha Shviyas and it has to be treated as such. So it has to be completely consumed. It happened to be the wine that my shul had in the Shalach Manos was also non-mavushal. So if people were going to drink half the bottle and then put half the bottle away and they have Gaish help in the house, it's really problematic. I told them they, have, they should take the bottle of wine to the table when they have a lot of company and say, no one's leaving here until this bottle gets finished and uh, drink the whole, the whole bottle that way. It was also very high alcohol content, so it's not, not something that they could easily knock off yourself unless you want to be really uh, not in such good shape. There is a big kasha. I spoke to several postkim last week and I asked, how is this allowed to be exported in the first place? There is another halacha, Mishnah, not from the Mishnah, in the Sechashviyas, that you're not allowed to export Perushviyas. Perushviyas are not supposed to come to Chutzlaretz. So how do we end up with it? So there's a big Shaila Be'asrogim, Rav Moshe discusses, that the Heter Be'asrogim is that they're not being sent out to be eaten, they're being sent to be used for the mitzvah, but in a Chinami, if they're being sent to be eaten, it would be a problem. So you shouldn't make uh, Esrog jam out of your Esrog, or eat the Esrog after, uh, after Sukkot. You have to either send it back to Eretz Yisrael, or wait for it to rot, and then throw it out, but you can't, uh, you can't be ma'abir and, uh, and and you can't eat it because it's not allowed to be exported for the sake of being eaten. That obviously is a big problem for the wine, because the wine is obviously being exported for the sake of being eaten. Rav Belsky, uh, in the write-up of, uh, of his psak that the OU did, Rav Belsky said that the Radvaz writes that the reason you're not allowed to export perushviyas is because the mitzvah's biur that one has to do, which is going to be the next issue we're going to discuss, has to be done in Israel only, and therefore you can't export it to have the mitzvah's beer being done outside of Eretz Yisrael. But Ravelsky says, Otzer Bezdin wine gets around the mitzvah beer. Otzer Bezdin in general takes care of the beer. You don't have to worry about beer on Otzer Bezdin. And therefore, there's no problem of exporting it. Now, that's the nakuda I want to touch on, because I don't understand that psak. And I just want to tell you what, what, what I came out with. Um, What's the mitzvah of beer? The halacha is, as soon as, let's say I go into a, a field during Shemitah and I take in a whole bunch of fruit. Uh, for myself. 
I bring it to my house. So I'm eating it, and then uh, two weeks later I still have more available in my house, but there's no more left in the field. So the halach is, as soon as there's no more left in the field, I have a mitzvah of biur. What's the mitzvah of biur? Machlok Rishonim. Some Rishonim say, Rambam says it means you have to actually destroy it, burn it. Ramban says, no, it just means you have to be mafkirit. We paskin, it means you have to be mafkirit. So I have to go take that fruit out of my house, make it hefker, and then if no one takes it, I can come and take it back, and I can still eat it, because it's regular perushviyas. That's motabachila. I just had a mitzvah to go and be mafkirit. So what does Otsubezin do? What Otsubezin does is that the fruit is hefker the whole time. They're just in control of the hefker. It's a controlled hefker. Now let's say the fruit remains hefker. No one was ever zokha. No one ever took it into their home. It remained hefker throughout the entire time, all the way through the shasa biur. Is there ever a chiyuv biur on anybody? No, because it was hefker the whole time. And then after the shasa biur, someone acquires it. Well, that's after the shasa biur. That's fine. It was you don't need to do biur because the entire time period within which biur would have had to been done, it was hefker during that time. So that's fine. So if the basin is in control of it up until the shasa biur, that's great. You don't need to do any sort of biur if it was actually in Basin's hands. But I don't know whose hands this wine was in at the Shasabir. The Shasabir was last heir of Pesach. I don't know whose hands the wine was in at the time at the Shasabir. It could have been still in the Basin's hands. It could have been by the international distributor. It could have been by the, the Gaish store owner in Rockway Turnpike. I don't know who owned it at the time. It might even be a Jewish store owner, a Russian guy, a Russian Jew. I don't know. I have no idea who, whose hands it was in. So if I don't know whose hands it was in, the it needs beer. So I spoke to Rav Willig. Again, Ravelsky, I don't know. Ravelsky said that it doesn't need beer because Otsubezin takes care of the problem of beer. I have no idea why, though. I don't understand. Rav Willig said he thinks it does need beer. So Rav Willig told me on Thursday night when I spoke to him, he said, make everyone in your shul, take the bottle of wine, bring it outside their house, make it hefker, leave it on the curb overnight, then if it's still there the next morning, they can come and be zochin it again and uh, reacquire it. And they will have done the mitzvah's beer. Because you can't have the, uh, the Shemitah wine without doing the mitzvah's beer. He said, it's machlokas for Shlomo Zalman and Rabbi Yashiv. If it waited this long, if you're still eligible to do beer, because there's normally a knas that you're not allowed to do beer, but that a knas is if you did it b'meitik. Over here is obviously b'shogik, so Shlomo Zalman holds that since it was b'shogik, there's no such knas. So he said, you do the beer, and then you can bring it back in the house, and then you could use it like wine that has Kedusha Shviyas, where you have to drink up every bit of it and you're not allowed to waste any of it. So I thought that that was an interesting psak, something that maybe uh, we should keep in mind. That I never would have thought in a million years when you go into a wine store to buy a bottle of wine, that you'd have to look at the Ashkacha to see, look for such a thing. Maybe it's not so. It was a Yardane wine. It was a typical $8 bottle of Yardane wine that, uh, that it said it on the label. It said where the Shasabir was, it said where the Rav Machshir was. So it's important to be aware of. Yeah. Um, like how do you how do you accomplish finishing every last drop? Like there's certain... At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.